Hello and welcome to my spoiler review for the Umbrella Academy Season 2, which means yay, you finally watched it! Or you're cheating. But either way, we can talk about it. And we have so much to discuss. Wasn't it fabulous? Wasn't I right about how good season two is? But we're gonna go through as much as we can because this is a this is a sprawling discussion. So much happens in season two. And some of it's even like little subtle things. So you can't, even just the way a character looks at another one. But I will say that I have included my favorite Klaus line, at least of season two, maybe all time, in my notes here. And let's see if you can guess what it is before I reveal it later on in the spoiler review. As always, there are chapter times down below if, you, if, there's, if there's a specific part of the show that you just can't wait to discuss. But the way I'm gonna break it down is that first I'm gonna address some major story points and then go character by character. I just find in spoiler reviews, that's the easiest way to do it. As for that cliffhanger ending, what a doozy. Well, I'm doing a whole separate video on that in my theories for season three, which will drop on Saturday, and I hope you'll check that out. Okay, so first, let's talk about my one problem with season two. As I said in my non-spoiler review in episode two, it jumps the shark, and I'm talking about Lila. Now, I love Ritu Arya's performance, and I still, for the most part, love the character of Lila. But the reveal that she's also one of the 43 children born on October 1st, 1989, like the seven adopted children by Sir Reginald Hargreaves, was, was a bit much. Now, sure, it makes sense story-wise. Where are all those other kids? Here's one. But it didn't work for me. Uh, especially because it was revealed what her power set was, which I felt made her instantly overpowered. And I'm talking about the fact that she has the ability to mimic the power of anyone she's in close proximity to. Like Rogue, right? But Rogue without like the cool, like I can't touch anyone, so it's all angsty, like that emotional situation, doesn't have that. And she doesn't have to touch the person. She just has to be, I don't know, maybe just see them because she and Vanya are pretty far apart when it comes to the farm, when that uh, fight starts. And uh, Lila is surprisingly able to throw a force field up over her and the handler out of nowhere. We'll talk about the handler, don't worry. But yeah, I mean, I was just like, come on. I mean, there's supposed to be a loophole, her Achilles heel, and that's that she can only mimic one power at a time. But us, well, Rogue can do multiples, which is very cool. But Lila can only do one at a time. But I still felt, felt she was overpowered. And it was, I don't know, it seemed like too much of like a writer's trick. They're like, what are we gonna do? I know, and I was like, cheating, 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 cheating. Uh, also, I felt she was needlessly ruthless. When she tried to kill Allison by taking her power and rumoring Allison not to breathe, I thought Lila crossed the line as a likable character. Again, I still like her entertainment-wise, but I mean, how could anybody ever trust her after that? It was just, it, I was like, so you basically were trying to kill Allison. I just think it was a step too far. Uh, we'll talk about Allison, who I think also crosses the line during this season. You got to, with great power comes great responsibility, said Uncle Ben. And I feel you got to be careful how you rumor somebody. Uh, I think there are so, you have to be clever about it. It's a little bit like, um, uh, I forget the character's name in The Runaways, who has to think of a different spell every time. Uh, I thought that was really, that's interesting. So Allison having to think of what she would say to someone in terms of a rumor is cool, but I, I think she's not making enough of an effort to, to be, maybe be a little less violent. Uh, so yeah, so she, I think that she can come back. I'd like for her to come back, but since she can't be trusted, she can never really be a true member of the Umbrella Academy. That's the way it is. What do you feel about the Lila reveal and the character uh, as a result? 
Uh, I thought the whole farm fight, by the way, was a bit underwhelming. I mean, they did a lot of setup that I felt never really materialized. Not at the level of the opening fight. You know, that they just recently also released uh, as a snippet online to get people jazzed for season two. That's one of the best comic book sequences I've ever seen. I saw some people draw comparisons to Zack Snyder's work, actually, and I would agree that it's very reminiscent of the perfectness of the opening credits of Watchmen, down to using slow motion. I mean, it was in, in, a, in, a, in a time period, you know, uh, in the past, in great music. It was Snydery. It was Snydery, and uh, as, as a result, quite effective. It was a good Snyder ripoff. It was quite good. Uh, now, as for the mystery of how the world ends this time, I thought the whole setup was top-notch. Now, the comic has centered heavily around the JFK assassination, and it was a big factor in, well, I don't know if it was a big factor, but it was certainly a part of the conversation in season one already. So to make that the focal point here, I thought worked really well. And that Vanya was thought to be a Russian agent because her name is Vanya, and she speaks many, many foreign languages because, you know, that's how she was raised, including Russian. Well, that was really smart. And the fact that, you know, in the way before they fixed it, that she almost kills the president. And that leads to America suspecting uh, a Russian assassination attempt. And that turns into nuclear war between the two superpowers. That all that all f fell into place beautifully. It didn't require a lot of explanation. You just got it. And, and you know, that was to me felt very organic. Well, the Lila reveal, I just felt the way they handled it did not. Uh, it was just very clever. And I'm impressed that they didn't they didn't show their hand until they were ready to. I didn't piece it together until it happened, and, and that's impressive. Vanya, by the way, floating out of the FBI building was so cool. And the way she also was radiating her powers to the FBI, FBI offices and killed all those agents, I mean, it almost took out her siblings, that was amazing. And here's my favorite Klaus line. When he said it, I was like, that's just genius. He said, come on, he was trying to give himself a pep talk, and he's like, come on, Klaus, I think it was a sarong. You wore a sarong to a frat party and got a ton of numbers. I thought that was just like, just such an amazing line, and I was like, that should you know, energize you and make you feel like you can do it. What a pep talk. I was like, that's amazing, Klaus, you're such a cool guy. I loved that. Uh, then, of course, uh, also this season, there was the big reveal that the villain is once again the handler because she had that metal plate in her head that kept her from being killed. Uh, and I bought that too. I was willing to buy a lot, as you can see, but I just didn't buy the Lila thing. Uh, Kate Walsh, again, phenomenal in the role, going full Cruella DeVille, by the way. She made a very good Cruella DeVille. And that's very hard not to go over the top in such a role, especially with the costumes, some of the costumes they gave her. But Kate Walsh made it work, and that's... That's an impressive display of acting right there. It's also revealed that she's Lila's adopted mother faking an order for older five to kill Lila's parents. I thought that was really cool, uh, obviously, as a story, not as what actually happened, so that she could get her hands on one of the 43 special children. And she raised Lila to be her own right-hand woman and assassin. That all worked really well. I thought that, like, I bought all that. Uh, the whole storyline with the commission is even better than last season. From the Megamind ripoff, I'm like, Megamind already did that. To uh, although that fish was very smart uh, to spell things out in the fishbowl. I was like, good for you, little buddy. I've had goldfish. They're adorable. Uh, to Five's assassination of the board in 1980s Wisconsin. That was a little Fargo-y. I thought that was great. To Diego being temporarily recruited. I like the little uh, film that he walked out of. And going rogue with the commissions underground and using that whole look at time device. I thought that was all great stuff. I mean, I didn't love the commission last time, uh, except, of course, it gave us great stuff for Five. But here I started actually like the commission as a body, um, you know, as an organization going forward. I was like, oh, there's something here. 
And the end with the new leadership at the commission, just one of many great setups for season three. And yes, I miss Hazel and Cha-Cha too. Hazel, in fact, sacrificing himself at the beginning of this season. But, you know, he got to have a good life after all. Uh, but I thought the Swedes were a great replacement. As I said in my non-spoiler review, they were quintessential Coen brothers, and they really popped every time they were on screen. Despite not really talking, I thought they were good. Great, better than good. I thought that two of my favorite scenes with them is I thought it, I felt very bad when they killed that guy who uh, was working with the Hargreaves. We'll talk about him towards the end. But I thought that when they wrote that message on the floor in Swedish and Diego and Luther thought it was a name and they looked it up in the phone book and there was a corresponding name and they called that poor woman up and were threatening her, that was very funny. That was very well done. And then Allison, though, I, I mean, that was a very moving scene when she got one of the Swedes, you know, there were only two Swedes left at that point and she got one of them to kill his brother. And he was aware that he was doing it, but he couldn't stop himself. I actually felt bad for the Swedes and they're murderers. They were murderers. I mean, you know, they, they, they were given bad information. You know, I mean, Five is also a murderer. But I felt truly sorry for them. And I thought Allison, again, I thought it wouldn't have, wouldn't have killed her to make a little bit of an extra effort in what she rumors people to do. Couldn't she have rumored that one Swede to protect her husband and then rumored both of them to never see them, to see either of, or any of the Hargreaves again? I think that would have been more effective. Uh, also, but I mean, still, it was, a, it was a powerful scene. Also, I did enjoy some of the backstory on Sir Reginald Hargreaves from the Illuminati-type group he's part of and eventually kills, and I like seeing his alien head there just momentarily, uh, to the origin of Pogo. I thought that was all really interesting stuff, to also how he met uh, Grace, you know, the, the, who eventually becomes their robot mother, uh, nanny, slash nanny, and I thought that the Diego scenes with her were really touching, because of course Diego had such a special relationship with the android version of her, and the fact that he had another chance with her I thought was really beautiful. They, that was handled quite nicely. All right, now let's go character by character. Five. Uh, Aiden Gallagher is five. A tour de force performance. So much increased screen time, and he really just, just runs with it. It's fantastic. He really does seem like an adult trapped in a child's body. One of my favorite quiet moments in the show is when he and Sir Reginald Hargreaves, uh, who he, of course he never saw in season one, sit down together at the bar and have a good, good chat as two older gentlemen. And goes actually peers at that point, even though Five is in a younger body. I thought that was a really gorgeous scene. And the fact that Reginald, Sir Reginald would get along with Five the most because they're actually quite alike. However, Sean Sullivan as the older Five, well, I thought that whole sequence was brilliant and very well written. The one weak point of it is that Sean Sullivan is a horrible older Five. He seems nothing like Aiden Gallagher. When I see those scenes, I do not look at it and go, they're both five. I'm like, who's that guy? Who, you know, he says he's five, but he's not five. I wish they'd worked a little harder in casting that. I thought it was also interesting that Five decided he doesn't want to kill anymore. I mean, he's always, every time we've seen Five, he's been in a really pressing situation. Time is of the essence. Get it? Time? You know, he's, he only really spent time by himself during the apocalypse along with that mannequin. You know, even here, the others... Uh, you know, had a lot of time to kill in, in the 1960s before they are all reunited when the, when the season starts. But not five. Five hits the ground running all the time. So I wonder if we'll ever get to see what he would be like if he had a chance to relax in society. I'd be curious about that. Now, next up, of course, Klaus. Robert Sheehan also is Klaus. I loved even the beginning stuff. I mean, it gets quite moving towards the end of the season, but at the beginning with the cult fun stuff, that was great. I loved when he was at the bar and he, you know, uh, stole that car and he was doing the, the, the poker game. I oh, thought that, that stuff was just hilarious. Klaus is such a positive, wonderful, 
person. Uh, talk about someone who always, always tries to say yes to things, that he really is this kind of someone, I think, who could lead a cult. And he's just a really kind person, I think, even though he's so harmful to himself. But I thought that was great. I loved when he was in the jail cell. Uh, then he talked to his disciple. Then he also ran into Raymond. I thought those were great conversations. I thought that was really... I liked when, Ray, uh, when Raymond said, can you tell people out there, can you tell the governor that we're being held without being charged? And the way Klaus turned to the police officer and was like, is that true? And then got hauled out. It was just such an innocent, beautiful moment. I just loved it. I thought it was great. Really, every, everything with five in class was just every single scene was magic. But then, of course, trying to save Dave. Oh my God, that stuff was beautiful. I didn't even see it coming when they pulled up to the hardware store. And then we put it together as Ben puts it together. And that was such an amazing meet cute, you know, and the, he had to buy some paint and then Dave recommends pink. I just thought that was really great. But the fact that Dave is still a teenager, he's, forget coming out of the closet, Dave himself, I think, isn't even totally aware of his sexuality at that point. I mean, that was really interesting stuff to explore and how Klaus had to kind of like, operate around that respectfully but you know he's fighting to save his the man he loves his life and the fact that he still had his dog tags on and he gave them to Dave uh, to prove his, to prove that he was telling the truth. I mean, that was incredible. They're, they're seen at the, the, the diner when he punched Klaus. Oh, my God. I mean, I'm not surprised Klaus fell off the wagon. That was like just incredible writing. And then the stuff at the compound when he comes to see him. But then he still doesn't believe him. I mean, it really underscores that uh, how what the situation was with homophobia in the 1960s. And in fact, I thought throughout the entire season here, they were showing the rights that we have today we take for granted because they're actually quite new. And still today, some people don't even have them still. And so uh, even just, even just um, you know, in 1963, the Umbrella Academy has come so far in terms of, and humanity has. I thought that was really great stuff. Wow, that was good. We'll talk more about the future of Dave potentially in my, in my season three video. But uh, let's, uh, let's also, we'll talk more about you know, human rights in the 1960s with, of course, Allison. But first, I want to touch on Ben because, of course, he's tied to Klaus's story. He discovered that he could take over Klaus's body. I thought that stuff was medium. I thought that as great an actor as Robert Sheehan is, and he's so perfect as Klaus, he does not have the ability, obviously, to act like someone else. Like, I, I was so, I'm still impressed to this day on True Blood. I forget the actor's name off the top of my head, but he was a, he played a shapeshifter who played other characters. And he, you actually could feel like the other actor was in there. Robert Sheehan made no effort to replicate, you know, the performance, uh, you know, uh, Ben, the Ben character. And so I thought that was, you know, that was disappointing to me. I was like, if you can't do the body, you know, the body, uh, body snatching, you know, if you can't do it properly, don't do it. But I thought it was very sweet for him uh, to talk to that girl he liked in the cult, although that Ben liked, although it was revealed that Klaus had slept with her and that she was actually a lot faster than, um, than poor sweet Ben had thought. But it also underscored that Ben died as a child and so therefore was still a virgin, even though he was aging up as a ghost. I love that he sacrificed himself for Vanya, that he was the only one who could literally reach her because of the sound waves coming off of her at the FBI offices. And then he was able to go inside her psyche because he was a, just a soul. I thought that was beautiful. And I cried when he sacrificed himself and asked Vanya to hold him so that he didn't have to die by himself. That was just, that was amazing stuff. Um, 
And I also thought it was great that he said, could you tell Klaus something for me? And he said, and, you know, Klaus got to find out, and I thought this was gorgeous too, that he didn't keep Ben there, that Ben had been too afraid to go in the light. So Klaus had actually saved him and kept him from going until he was ready. But then, of course, he's still alive now in the new timeline. So I'm really happy that the way things were developed there. I thought that was handled brilliantly. Ben got, Ghost Ben got a great ending to his story, but the overall character of Ben ain't done yet. That was great. All right, so let's go to Allison. She had so little to do in season one, uh, she really wasn't much of a character, unfortunately. Uh, I even forgot that she had a daughter, by the way, and they still didn't devote much time to that. Like, for instance, when they first get back to the present, she's like, oh, I gotta go find my daughter. And they're like, oh, have a drink first. And she's like, okay. And I'm like, boy, you and your daughter do not have a good relationship. I mean, I guess that is part of the story, but wow, that really underscores it. But here she had a great storyline. Uh, you know, minus they never did anything with the daughter stuff. But, you know, she's someone who took life for granted because of her superpower. She superpowered herself into being a movie star. Everything seemed to always come very easily to her. But to be stuck in segregated 1960s with no power for like a year, she said or so, that was a really compelling choice. Like when she first lands and she goes into the diner and she looks, she look, I think she actually looked better there than she ever did in season one. Uh, they finally got her styling just right this season. Uh, and then she realizes that they're, you know, it's segregated and the look on her face. And then when she had to run from those guys, that was great. That was just really, really handled so well. And then she, you know, no one would help her until those other women at that uh, beauty salon in a black neighborhood uh, protected her. And it just shows the importance of community. I just thought this whole storyline was just beautiful. The civil rights sit in at the diner, that that was not only really powerful, but it was accurate. So I loved see, getting to see that. Also, there was the tension of when would she use her power? You know, she didn't want to use it, um, but you kept being thinking to yourself, like, just use your power, Allison. Come on, use your power. And then when she finally, so it was, a, they did a great job of the suspense of when would she finally do it. And then for her to whisper it to that police officer who was beating up her husband, and for Raymond to be like, what could you have possibly said to him to get him to stop? And then for him to think that she was maybe a sleeper agent, you know, put there by the white community, that was all really great, very cleverly put together. I thought that was just fantastic. And then when she finally does tell him and they go shopping at that store where they normally never would be allowed and they both looked so fabulous in their new clothes, I thought that was just, I loved Allison and storyline. We'll talk about Raymond in just a moment, but her storyline this season was just fantastic. And I thought it was so beautiful when she was able to tell Raymond that everything he was working for was not a waste of time, that in the, in, in the future, in the near future, there would, for instance, be a black president. And so he decides not to go with her to the future so that he can make sure that that does indeed happen. That was just fantastic. So let's talk about Raymond. Love Raymond, what a guy, such a noble, kind person. So understanding of all these brothers who kept showing up. One of them clearly still in love with uh, Raymond's wife. Uh, I just loved it. And I really do kind of wish that he had gone back to the future. I'm like, others will carry on your work, Raymond. Let's go, we love you. Uh, I also would have liked Vanya to be able to stay with Sissy and for Sissy to go to the future. I felt bad that she didn't go. Uh, Sissy was like, it's just too much for me. And I was like, darn it. I mean, the, I think that they underscored with Sissy, though, the fact that, in the, the sad fact, in 1963, you couldn't be who you wanted to be. That's very sad. And very true, unfortunately, just in the distant past. I mean, in the near past. Uh, so let's talk about Vanya. She didn't act anything like her season one character. I don't care that she had amnesia. It's ridiculous that she would not have any of the same personality traits, even. She turned into Ellen Page. I thought Va Vanya kind of went away, and she now just became Ellen Page in this show. But 
it's I ended up being okay with it because she had amazing chemistry with Mare in Ireland. I mean, you could sense it immediately. I was not surprised where that relationship was going. As soon as you saw them, like, I think, like, in the kitchen or something together at the dining room table, you were like, they're in love. I mean, you could cut that sexual tension with a knife. It was incredible. Uh, Carl, by the way, is the abusive dad from It, that poor actor. He's like, why does everyone look at me and think I'm a depraved person? <laughs> I hope in real life he's a sweetheart. Uh, then I, I really, so I did enjoy the Vanya Sissy storyline, even though Vanya just again became Ellen Page, but I always enjoy seeing Vanya's power use. It's incredible. I could have, I think, used a little bit more of it in the grand finale, but I'll take what I can get. And I thought uh, it was a very interesting development that she passed her powers or some kind of powers onto Sissy's son Harlan, which again, we'll talk about in the season three video. And again, the chemistry was just so strong. Their love story became really beautiful. All right, next up, Diego. Lila is good for Diego. She gives him someone very fun to play off of. So that was a great pairing. I also enjoyed seeing him spend a little more time with his brother, Luther. I think they're a good, they're, they're, they're a good team. And I thought that was nice, you know, to see them together, to see Luther have a strong relationship with somebody else in the, in the, in the, in the, in the, in the Umbrella Academy that he wasn't in love with. Uh, interestingly, I think that Diego is more of a hero than he ever was as a vigilante. And I think it's better to have him focusing on trying to do what's right than playing a costumed hero. I thought that just rung more true. Also, his power, his power set and fighting skills seem to have been boosted a bit. He's the one who has that great hallway fight uh, versus the Swedes. You know, the long camera take where they go in and out of the building through the windows. That was cool. He has horrible, horrible hair this season, and I was surprised he never took a moment to cut it. But he's so charismatic in season two that I, you know, I saw past the hair, as Lila does. Uh, I like him being a commission agent, by the way. I think it's good for him. I think he'd do it for the right reasons, uh, but he'd have to learn to compromise uh, which would be good for him. I think he sees the world only in black and white, and I think Diego really needs to learn to see it as a series of grays. I did like, though, that he, uh, he presented the idea of Team Zero, that there would be no more rankings in the Umbrella Academy. I thought that was nice, instead of, you know, one through seven. Uh, Lila, very funny, very skilled. I don't think she even needed a power set, quite frankly. I liked the character the way she was. I thought she was a bolt of energy anytime she was on the screen, and I thought that she had the level of charisma as Five and Klaus, and I liked seeing a female character to be able to be that charismatic. Uh, Luther really lost as a character without the Allison romance. I mean, what, he's fighting for Jack Ruby as a brawler? Oh, he throws a fight because he's depressed? We've seen that so many times. Uh, he also, the fact that he was there for a year, um, and if he had tried harder to find Allison, she never would have married Raymond, Raymond Chestnut, is just classic Luther. He just doesn't make an effort. And then he feels bad. But I'm like, you didn't make an effort, Luther. Make an effort. I hope in season three they figure out what to do with this character. I also really like the conspiracy theorist who uh, owned an abandoned electronics store off of the alley where they all appear over several years from the time jump. That was a very clever story idea that they all enter at the same place, but scattered through ac across a couple of years. So they just have to wait for everyone else to, to show, literally wait for everyone else to show up. I thought that, I think Klaus was there the longest for three years. I thought that was really good. But this guy who was this conspiracy theorist, he was great. He was a lot of fun at the beginning. Then he was very helpful with research because he was like an early uh, internet person who was able to know all this like conspiracy theory stuff, which of course was true actually. Uh, and I like that they used his house as like a base. He became kind of like their Alfred. I really liked him. I thought he had some great moments with all the characters. And I felt genuinely bad when he was killed by the two remaining Swedes. It had to happen, but I felt really bad for him. 
I really loved the entire season. I just thought it was great. I just didn't like the twist with Lila. And it doesn't even make me dislike her as a character, but I just didn't like the twist itself. I don't like that power set for her. I'm kind of sad that she has to keep it going forward. Maybe they'll come up with a way for her to lose her powers. Uh, but I can't wait for season three. So be sure to check out that video when it drops tomorrow. And I'm very curious to hear your thoughts about season two down below. Again, this is a spoiler review, so you can go to town. Uh, share those thoughts, subscribe today. And of course, as always, you can check out some more videos right now.